But what they're saying is, I really like you. I really want to help you. And it's because of, hey, we like the same team. We have the same interests. It's, you know, all these things, you know, that's our tribe. Um, you know, you and I are part of a tribe. We love football, right? That's a tribe. You know, I, I, that's what I, you know, I tell people when they go to have those conversations is just, just let it go. Just be human. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. My name is Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. My guest today is very much in a similar space to me, and he's someone who's powered uh, by the importance of human connection. Uh, he is, I think he would describe himself as a, a connector from Columbus, Ohio. He's president and founder of Am Spirit Business Connections, and he's the host of the Networking Rx podcast, uh, very, very similar focus to the Connected Leadership podcast. So we're going to talk about connecting and our theme today is connecting with impact. But actually, we're going to come at it from two different angles, which may or may not be related. And maybe we'll uncover that during the course of our conversation. So before I reveal our two uh, angles, which I will in a moment, uh, Frank Hagen, welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. And thank you for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, that's quite a buildup. Uh <laughs> I hope it was an accurate one. <laughs> And, and 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 well, let's go straight to to the the point of the conversation. That the idea of the introduction is to connect you as my guest and what we're going to talk about to uh, to whoever's listening to the podcast and make sure that they feel connected and they want to 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 listen on. Uh, and and I talked about these these two different meanings of connection that that I want to explore and connecting with impact. Uh, and, and one is what we both talk about and write about and, and 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 teach people about, and that is making human connections, bringing networks together, ensuring that the right people meet the right people, and that when you don't just meet people, but you create a connection with them, which is what I'm talking about in terms of the introduction. Uh, the other, when I read your writing, which I've looked at quite a lot of it, um, you use a lot of stories to make a point. It's something we've talked about before on the Connected Leadership podcast. And, and I've talked before about the importance of storytelling to create connection, to get people really to want to listen to what you have to say. We recently had um, the, the writer and scientist Bruce Wiley on the podcast talking about making real writing engaging content and, and storytelling is a key part of that. So if we're connecting with impact, is it coincidence that we use the same word, connection, for putting people together and for creating an engagement? Or is there a huge overlap there? Um, I, I, you know, I'm not a scientist of these things. Um, I, you know, I, I am a, I'm a connector of people. I'm a student of connecting. I think I... I say stories sell people remember stories people and it really kind of gets into the brain science if you will um, people start throwing concepts and numbers at us and our brains just gloss gloss over 
um, our eyes gloss over, our brains go foggy. But when they're wrapped in a story, we tend to remember things so much better. Um, and there's a lot of there's a, a lot of science behind that. And it's just it's how we're wired. Um, but you talk you talk about connections. Connections are everything. They really are. You know, um, God willing, this doesn't happen. But um, if if the superpowers obliterate much of the world, can we'll survive through connections? We'll figure out how to you know how to help each other. Um, a lot of the science can be gone. A lot of the infrastructure can be gone, and we'll still figure out a way of surviving. And it really comes down to connections. So, so digging a little bit deeper, and I know I've sort of thrown you in a, a bit of a deep end with that question, but I just I, I want to explore something different. And it's really only occurred to me as as we we were chatting just before we press record, um, and, and as I was forming the question in my mind. So, 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 dear listener, I have really thrown Frank in at the deep end here. We didn't know that question was coming, <laughs> but I think it's something to explore because you talk about that we'll survive through human connection. You, I know I've experienced it many times and I've witnessed it many times. I'm sure you're the same. You Just because you meet someone and shake their hand doesn't mean you truly connect on a human level. Correct, yeah. My, my business strapline is connecting is not enough and it's about going deeper and creating a true connection, you know, a meaningful yeah. communication beyond. But sometimes that's really easy with people and sometimes it, it, it's a struggle. Yeah. What do you think? And again, I'm throwing you into the deep end of this. Yeah. What What do you think is the difference when you meet two different people and one of them, the connection is there instantly. And with someone else, you fight. This person is important to you, but you really struggle to create a meaningful connection with them. Um, you know, I don't know that that's really the deep end. I think I think what it really comes down to is what pe people's expectation from the connection let's i use the word relationship right you know people look for things from relationships and you know people people go into you know they'll go into a networking event or a business mixer or some sort of business meeting or just some sort of interaction and they they create an expectation of what they want to get out of it and they size it up, and if they determine there's nothing there for them, they really kind of go cold. Um, and I think that's uh, that's the reason why you you know people don't go deeper into the connection, as you put it. But I'm fond of telling people take it take a different take a different path into these into these relationships, and instead of asking what can I get from this, ask what can I give. And that just changes the whole dynamic. It changes the whole listening structure. You're not listening for, okay, where, you know, where do I make my pitch? You know, how do I come at this from a sales perspective? You come at it from more of a human perspective. Okay, what can I do to help this person? Who do I know that they don't know that would benefit them? And I'll, you know, I'll make that connection. Um, what do I know that they don't know that I can help them with? You know, what's an opportunity that I have? And if you're willing to do that, one, it takes a lot of pressure off of you to, um, 
to get something from the relationship, but I think it draws the other person in because who doesn't want to be helped, right? Who doesn't want to, oh my, my gosh, this person's actually, they have something for me. Um, and I, and I think that's really kind of the, you know, kind of the difference. Can I challenge you a little bit on that? Um, I, I, mainly, I mainly agree with what you say. I have one issue with it, which I've talked about in the past. Okay. So I, I love what you say about change the mindset to a more human one. Stop worrying about what's in it for you. Um, I have seen behavior in the past where people have listened to advice, such as the advice you've shared and taken it almost too literally. So the first thing they'll do when they first meet you is say, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And to me, someone doesn't mean that from their heart until they know you. There's, you know, you can have all the best um, intention in the world, but you're going to want to help someone you know, like, and trust, using Bob Berg's phrase, more than someone you've just met. Um, and I've had someone in speed networking say, what can I do for you? Because that's what they were told to ask. And it's never intended. So I'm a great believer in taking that step back and have neither party have expectations of anything other than finding interesting people when they first meet with the intent that they will build a network where they can support people in that network over time and where needed, they can draw the support they need as well from that network. So that would be my sole challenge is the mindset of how can I help you rather than how you can help me still has its its issues in the short the immediate term i i totally agree i think what you and i are doing here is we are giving a we are offering the cliff notes of cliff notes of a master class in relationships <laughs> really um there's a wonderful book out there uh cheryl sandberg she was the ceo of facebook or may still be the ceo of facebook the title of the book is called option b and it talks about um her husband died suddenly. They were on vacation and he just, they found him, passed away on a treadmill. He had an aneurysm or something. Doesn't really matter. And she talks in the book about people, you know, people reached out to her in her grief and said, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? And they were certainly all very sincere in doing that. But what she said is, is that, you know, that's not the right question. Because then you put the onus on somebody else to come up with it and when certainly when somebody's grieving it's really hard and i i agree with you in a business sense that a lot of people when they ask that question it's just their way of of anointing themselves with well i've asked the question right i've asked the question i'm off the hook you did something for me how can i help you you know knowing that i'll probably not come up with something um and what Cheryl talks about in the book is, is that you look at people and you get to know people enough, even in the short term, to be able to say, okay, here's something I'm going to do for you, you know? And so I can have a conversation with somebody, not a conversation with you. Um, hey, Andy, I think this person would be a great person for your podcast. You know, I don't have to ask you what you need. I know what you need. When this episode comes out, I'm going to promote it because that's, I know that helps you because those things help me. So I think a lot of times we need, when people, <clears throat> sometimes people will ask me, Hey, how can I help you? I almost want to respond to them. Take a look at your own life and figure out the things that you need in your life 
because chances are those are the same things I need. Um, but I, you know, I don't take your pushback in any, I think we agree. It's just kind of getting comfortable with our terms. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that um, a lot of the time when you and I talk as people who have studied this topic, what we're trying to do is change people's mindsets away from what they can get in the immediate term. And it's, it simplifies it to say, see how you can help others rather than how you can help yourself. But then people who aren't experienced will take that too literally. And that's where I've experienced what I think is a very awkward scenario and a very unnatural. Yeah. And, and it's the natural scenario that we want to get to. And I think this is where I want to move with this. And by the way, for, for, for our listener, um, this might be a less structured conversation than some of ours, because I'm just going to go with the flow of what, what's being said, which I try and do anyway. But I think given the nature uh, of Frank and I uh, talking about the same thing, I'm going to pick up things and I'm just going to want to follow that route. So keep listening. We will move in the right direction, but we'll, we may branch off a few times uh, on the way. So you, you just illustrated uh, your use of stories and you did it in a very natural way talking about Sheryl Sandberg and, and this goes back to my conversation before I, I think and again it's not a developed thought it's something that's come from our pre pre-live conversation and, and then this um, that when you take away that elevator pitch nightmare exchange you know that the what do you do i do this what do you do i do this can we help each other nice to meet you here's my card we take away that scenario and we just connect on a human level to to use your language earlier we we, we start illustrating things naturally with stories in, in a way like that that the you did there and that creates a more natural human connection because we're getting away from stilted what can i get out of this this is my key point message does that take us closer to where i was trying to get to in terms of where these two types of connection overlap connecting through stories and engaging conversation and connecting on a human level yeah no it, it absolutely does i you know this kind of gets us a little bit uh left of field of what we're talking about but one of the things i talk about with groups and small business types in the united states they're always looking for referrals and i tell them there's three reasons you don't get referrals and the first reason is is you don't have a relationship people don't know you like you trust you you know referencing bob berg um and uh, we don't even need to get to the second two at this point right it's that relationship so people come to that networking event you know andy what do you do right sizing them up trying to get trying to what am i going to get out of this can this be a client for me and the reality is is that you have to have a relationship first i don't need to know what you do i need to have a relationship with you first you don't need to know what i do so that's where the stories come in and you know stories and i think a lot of times people think of stories as you know this three-act play kind of a thing no it can be as simple as what do you love to do um one of the stories one of the things I talk about with people when I talk about small talk is, I, you know, get the other person talking, find out things about them. Um, I was at a networking event here in the States and it was snowing like crazy. Um, debating whether to go. I got there, walked through the door. I'm, you know, I'm just covered in snow. Um, I'm creating a, a kind of a, a farce of an image. But I, I'm talking with somebody. I'm like, oh, my gosh, can you believe this weather? And she says, I love it. <laughs> my husband and I love to ski. 
Um, well, that was a jumping off point for me to have a conversation. Well, where do you ski? You know, um, I didn't really ski as a kid, but I grew up in the northern parts of the United States and there was a lot of skiing. And then my sister did and my parents did. And so I know enough about it to have a conversation. And that just, you know, let her share about their skiing and their adventures and where they were going and where they've been. And then I allowed that. I used that as a moment to segue into more of a professional conversation. Skiing's not cheap. What do you do to pay for it? Right. But it's that, you know, those are stories. We're sharing little, you know, anecdotes back and forth, getting comfortable with one another. Hey, I like this person. And then you can go to business another time or later in that conversation. Yeah. And I would agree with you. I would say people don't care what you do until they care about you yeah yeah so so i don't want people to ask me that when they first meet me because they don't care it's an icebreaker i'm going to come back and ask you what the other two reasons people don't okay uh, don't get referrals are but just just to to stay on the same theme for the moment how important do you think it is for people to share stories about themselves compared to using third party stories to illustrate so you've just used both techniques you've you've told a story about the woman that you met at an event that you went to when it was cold and you told a story about Sheryl Sandberg and what she said in her book so how important do you think each approach is well I think they're both important I think it really matters Andy it 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 matters depending upon upon the context I like to defer to authority when it's something that um, might have a basis in science or I don't like to talk conjecture. Hey, small talk is small talk works. You should do it. You know, here's my story because my story is a sample size of one. Right. Um, so if I'm talking about a general principle like that, I try to defer to other other authorities or something that somebody else has said. Um if I'm just trying to illustrate my own experience, then certainly I'm going to use, you know, my own personal stories, if you will. But I think they're both important. Um, to be honest, I really don't think about, okay, I need to default to this or that. It's just like, this seems more appropriate in this, in this moment. Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, it is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask. But I mean, that's the beauty of a, a, a podcast conversation is we take what you do well and, and we analyze it and we break it down. Um, yeah. and, and the beauty of it is that you don't think about it when you're doing it. So I'm inviting you to take the step back uh, right. and, and let's have a look at it. Um, so come on, what are, the, what are the other two reasons you feel people don't get referrals? I'm totally with you on number one, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, I, I have an organization for people who are familiar with BNI. I, I have an organization very similar to BNI. People come to it for referrals and I get a lot of calls, people not getting referrals. And I tell them it's only three reasons. The first is relationship. People need to know you. They need to like you. They need to trust you. You know, leave the politics at the door. Don't go off the rail on religion and all that stuff. It's a business meeting. But the second reason is, and they're all kind of linked. Um, people can people can like you a lot. They could think the world of you and not give you a referral because they 
can't recognize opportunities for you. And I use my parents as this example. I like to think my parents loved me, right? I really do. I never got a referral from my parents. Now, my mom has passed. My dad's still around. I've never gotten a referral. Why? Because they don't know what the heck I do. They don't know how to recognize opportunities for me. Um, and that's my primary evidence. But, you know, even with respect to people who don't love us as much as our parents do, I could be sitting next to the perfect client for you at a ball game and not refer you just because I don't know how to make the connection. So the second piece is recognition. You have to have the relationship and people need to be able to recognize opportunities for you. And then the third piece is, and this is, um, this doesn't always come into play, but it, it can, but people need to be able, they need to be comfortable and have the ability to engage in conversation with somebody about what you do. So I like you. I want to help you. I recognize opportunities. When I meet that perfect person, I need to be able to launch into some sort of conversation about, oh, you're moving mom into a home. I'm really sorry to hear that. Are you going to be selling her home or are you going to be renting it out? Oh, you're going to be selling it. Are you working with a realtor yet? You're not? Okay, I know a realtor if you ever, you know, if you need help with that. Um, and so those are the three pieces that need to be in place. Yeah, and I think that 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 third one is is so important and and underestimated people need to take a step back i always say you need to envisage your champion or advocate the person referring you having the conversation with your prospect when you're not in the room how are they going to have it i always picture them in a pub for some reason that might be the brit in me um mm -hmm. but um you have to be able to picture that conversation and how well are they going to be able to have it how competently can they have it? And if your relationship is strong enough, you can sit them down and talk to them about it and educate them. Yeah. But that has to come first. The order is 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 spot on as well. Um, but you need to be able to educate your network. And that's I guess that leads to another area. How important is social media as a connection point? Because for me, uh LinkedIn is a good example. Twitter is, a, is another example, are great opportunities to to create what I call the drip drip effect of educating mm -hmm. your network about what you do over a period of time. Yeah, no, I, I I think social media is important for creating, as you put it, the drip drip effect, um, at sharing value with the world and letting people know, not that you're an expert, they, but they kind of get comfortable with you. I'll post on social media, I'll post stories, I'll post personal, you know, anecdotes, I'll, um, uh, analogies, things like that. And people kind of get comfortable with the style. But at the end of the day, really what that's doing is just, it's, you're not creating a relationship necessary, necessarily. I don't, you know, I would never expect somebody to, Hey, I saw a couple of your posts. I want to hire you. Um, or I want to, you know, want to do, it, it doesn't work that way. It's really about using social media to, sift through millions of people and find the the ones that are really good candidates for what it is that that you do and they'll you know you don't have to pitch them I mean, if you do it right and you have the right kind of posts out there um the right kind of messaging you know they're going to come to you and say oh you know i really need i really need help understanding how to work a crm and i see that you do a great job of that um I'd like to explore what your service is. 
as opposed to the person who's consulting people on using CRMs, convincing everybody that, hey, you need to use a CRM uh, and I'm the person to show you. Yeah, it's it's the creating a buying conversation rather than selling to people that makes a big difference. I want to take a step back. You you in your previous answer, you used uh, as an illustration. You said your parents um, had never referred you. Uh, this this was a conversation that came up in a, a session I ran last week, um, and it comes up time and time and time again. And that is to what extent can you forge a professional connection with a personal contact, whether it's friend or family, social contact, whatever it might be. I think there's a huge cultural element to it. In the UK, there are a lot of people who like to have uh, personal and professional lives very separate with a thick line down the middle. Um, in um, I, spoke, I remember speaking in Milan and explaining mm -hmm. that and the audience laughing. I think, what are you talking about? The, the family is the business. The business is the yeah. family. So from your perspective and, and from a, an American perspective, what do you think the the feeling is about mixing personal and professional both ways? So, so both turning to your personal network and seeking professional support, but also people from your professional network becoming close friends. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm going to align with the people in Milan uh, more than people in the UK. Um, you know, you, you. I don't go pitching my friends, right? I mean, but I'm. I want to support my friends. I want to support. I want to certainly want to support my kids. Um, I have a better understanding of the types of things my kids. My my parents were academics. They were professors, um, so they're not really. You know. I remember my dad telling me, why don't you just go get a job? Just have somebody hire you, <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, when you live in the worlds that we live in, really kind of a small business type world, I always tell people, when does the business day begin and when does it end? Because I might get it, well, my kids are grown now, but I might get a, would get a call. It's like, hey, your son is sick. Can you come pick him up? Okay, well, that changes the whole day. I'm going to get my son home. I'm going to take care of him, but I still have things to do. And I might be working till nine, 10 o'clock at night. And so there's this real kind of mixture of what's business and what's personal. Um, whereas what I would imagine if people have kind of a, a more of a corporate sort of existence or my parents who more an academic existence, you show up at eight, you work till five and you go home. And so it was easier to have that thick line, as you put it. Um, but when you're a small business type, you know, solopreneur, it's, it's very murky that, you know, the, the line is very gray. And I think it's probably becoming that way for people in corporate environment as well now, particularly with more remote working. Yeah. We're not, we're not all going in Monday to Friday, nine till five. Um, yeah. <laughs> not that many people are doing nine to five anymore, but, um, yeah. set hours, uh, and that's it. And, you know, people are doing, you know, I've, I've had a call this morning with a client, corporate client with about six, seven people from that uh, client. Everyone looking at their screen was in their home office. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that shifts it. That, that shifts it as well. Again, I want to pick up on something you, you said there. I've talked a lot over the years on this podcast about the importance of cognitive diversity surround yourselves with people who don't think like you who don't have the same background so you can have different perspectives different input different ideas people who will challenge you 
what I've never done is challenge that uh, on on this podcast. And you said something interesting. It was something you, you almost an aside. You said your parents were academics, so they didn't really understand this world. I don't know if you use that terminology, yeah, but that's yeah. the gist I got from it. Um, and and but if, if you have people around you that are in the same space, they understand better. How do you strike that balance with surrounding yourself with different inputs so that you have a more rounded view of the world and surrounding yourselves with people who get it and get what you, you're going through so you can have the support you need? Yeah, that's um, that's certainly a, a, a difficult thing. Um, there's a there's a I, I don't want to say a game in the United States. People, well, I don't think how much they do it anymore. They they, they call it the Kevin Bacon game. Kevin Bacon oh, is yeah, a famous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you connect with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and this kind of gets into some research here. But uh, somebody took the the movie uh, Internet Movie Database um, is a, a study out of University of Virginia. Took the whole database and determined who were the most connected actors in Hollywood. Um, and interestingly enough, this is the study I read this several years ago. It changes with every movie, obviously. But John Wayne, who had done like 150 movies, was not, which, which is an incredible number of movies, right? He was nowhere near the top. And you would think the more movies, the more connected you would be. And that wasn't the case. And um, one of the uh, Burgess Meredith who played Mickey in the Rocky movies, he was like in the top 10 um, and did significantly less movies. And it's like, well, why, how did this happen? So they really started to examine the movies and John Wayne did the Westerns and the world war II movies. You know, that's where he lived. And Burgess Meredith did the Rocky movies. He did comedies. He did voiceover. He did, you know, war movies. He did, he did all those sorts of things. Um, and so the lessons I draw from that, and I talk to people about is, is that you need to live in lots of different worlds, you know? And I learned that early on when I was in, I started my career as a tax consultant with a big firm. I went to work with the same people every day, had lunch with the same people. We'd go have drinks after work with the same people. And we might socialize with the same people. And when I left, to, when I went to leave that environment, I didn't have a network. It was all wrapped up in that business. And so that's a cautionary tale. Now it's like, you know what? I'm going to get involved in my community. I'm going to get involved in things that are just totally different than what it is that I do. I have my organization, but, and it's, my organization is pretty much US based, um, but I have friends in Estonia. Um, I had friends in Ukraine. They're all over the, Europe now, which is great. Um, but, you know, Africa, you know, South Africa, Western Africa, and just to, you know, to learn all these different perspectives. Um, but by then, by the same token, I have to default back to my business and understanding the people that are in my business. But it's, you know, it's, it's really, Zoom is, I'll just use Zoom in general. I know there's lots of different types of, it's, it's just really opened us up to realize that we're just people. We're just people. Um, we all love our kids. We all love our parents. We all, you know, we all have bad days. We all have good days. You know, we all just, 
want to be fed and have a warm place to sleep. You know, that's, you know, that's what it is. So, you know, how do you strike that balance? I don't, I don't know. It just, for me, it just feels right to do it. I don't, I haven't really been intentional about it. I, I love the the example of the, the IMDB uh, um, experiment. I know about the six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon, but I, I, I've not heard um, that, that background to it before and as soon as you said john wayne wasn't the most connected i knew exactly why yeah. you could see why and i think it's a really interesting illustration um of the point um we do need to have those diverse networks and maybe to tie all of this random um, stream of thought conversation together um maybe the way we do that is having more real conversations and getting beyond what do you do getting to know the human being getting them to care but then opening up to the conversation um and, and i've had it i've got a lot of friends that are in very different fields to me and i think when i'm in small groups with them the conversation is very much headline of what they do you know i know this person is a rocket scientist i know that person works in politics i know and so on but when i'm one-to-one -one with them we dig deeper and it's not a structured thing it's it's a genuine interest thing going back to that what i said earlier about asking what do you do when you actually care what they do is, is that something you encourage within your 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 network um oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i i you know i want to i want people to know um know personal things about other people because it opens so many other doors you know when i talk to um when i talk to people in the uk or in europe i always i always talk about football not american football you you know soccer we call it soccer because my kids are you huge were right soccer. the first time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my kids are huge soccer fans you know 7 30 a.m tomorrow morning my kids will be on watching TV. They'll be watching the, uh, the British Premier League, right? They, they just, they just know it, what's going on. Um, my, you know, my daughter loves Chelsea. So I love to have conversations with people of, uh, about that. Or even in the United States, when I, when I'm being introduced to somebody and they're getting on my calendar, one of the questions in there, what do you love to do? What's your sports? What's your hobby? You know, and I'm always looking for that because that's going to be the crux of the conversation. I can find out you're a realtor or an attorney or whatever and, and pretty much have a gist of it. I just want to know what you're about. Um, and, and those things, those things can lead in, in, in lots of great directions, you know, if you let them. Absolutely. And you can tell your kids 7.30 tomorrow morning, they can watch, um, dip outside the Premier League and watch Charlton versus Bolton, which is live. Uh, at, at, I think probably exactly that time, if you're following okay. this difference, uh, and they can wave at me because I'll be at the game. Um, oh, well, good for you. <laughs> but but that's a nice example, isn't it? That you, yeah. you, you've created a touch point, a connection yeah. point where you've mentioned something almost at random, and I'm actually at that time going to be in that environment, and you've got a conversation that can go deeper. Um, so that's exactly why we need to find out this personal stuff, which, again, taking the, the traditional British approach, or oh, we don't talk about that. But actually, yeah. that's where you get to know people. Uh, over the years, when I, I used to run a network very similar to yours, um, and we used to strongly encourage uh, people booking one-to-ones with each other. And I was always asked, how do you 
what do you say? How do you structure a one-to-one? What's your agenda? How do you approach them? Well, what I tell people is, this is what's going to happen. I'm not telling you what you need to do, but I'm telling you what this is likely going to happen is you guys are going to have a conversation. This is probably going to kick off because of the weather, because that's one thing we all have in common. You're going to talk about the weather. You're going to talk about the food. You're, it, where, where I live, there's an American football, college American football team that's huge. You're going to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, you're going to spend five minutes in that one hour talking about business. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, it might be a little longer than that, but it really comes down to, and you've said it earlier, you know, people do business with those they know, like, and trust people go out of their way to help the people they know, like, and trust. They will figure it out. If they like you, they'll, they'll call you up. They'll text you, whatever, get a hold of you. Say, hey, Andy, I just met this person. Would this be a good introduction for you? I'm not quite sure, but what they're saying is I really like you. I really want to help you. And it's because of, hey, we like the same team. We have the same interests. It's, you know, all these things, you know, that's our tribe. Um, You know, you and I are part of a tribe. We love football, right? That's a tribe. You know, I tell people when they go to have those conversations, just just let it go. Just be human. Find out things about them. I'm so pleased you answered it that way. You know, for me, and you've given this answer, the correct answer is there's no agenda. Yeah. Um, when they said to me, what's the agenda? It's like, there is no agenda. It's not a transactional meeting. Um, it's about getting to know each other. and You can have a conversation. You know, you don't meet someone at a party and start talking and then say, okay, what are we going to cover and how long are we going to talk for? Right. You just let it flow. Um, and I think being in that space means you make more authentic connections. So let, let's, you know, I've, I've talked about your love of storytelling a couple of times. Let's let's wrap up. You shared a story um, just before we, we started recording that I, I love and I think it goes to the heart of your philosophy, um, I think it would be fair to say. So can you, let's just finish off, can you share that story uh, with yeah. us and, and just explain why it's so important to you? Yeah, you know, and, and I'll just give some backdrop on the story. I, I, I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of talking. I have a talk, I call it networkology, you know, take, you know, using hard science to benefit you and your in developing this soft skill of networking because i think you know looking to the science is really important and i was on a podcast i was actually interviewing somebody and she shared this story with me and i looked it up because i you know i wasn't going to repeat it unless i knew it was real but there's a famous anthropologist out there her name is margaret mead and margaret was Professor Mead, Dr. Mead, was teaching a class. And one of the students asked the question, what was the first sign of human civilization? And she's, you know, taking that half a second to think, right? Um, And while she is, you know, students are, you know, surmising in their mind, is it clay pots? Is it fire? Is it weapons? You know, what could it be? And her response was a healed femur. And she went on to explain, she said, the femur is the bone that connects the nip, the, the heat to the, the, excuse me, the knee to the hip. Um, I wonder where without, you were going there for a second. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but without modern medical care, it takes about six weeks for that to heal. 
And she said, you know, in the animal world, you don't see animals with healed femurs because a broken femur is a death sentence. They can't move. They can't they can't escape predators, uh, scavengers. They can't get water. They can't eat. They die uh, either painfully um, or a long agonizing death. But when we started coming across humans with healed femurs, we knew that somebody cared enough to stay behind. And I guess let's, let's use football, for example. Player in football gets a red card. He's out of the game. That team is down a player. They're not as effective, are they? Um, and so if you think about that in terms of human terms, if you're down a player, you know, in other words, if you leave that person, I'm sorry you broke your femur, we're going, um, you're operating down a player and you're just not as effective. But if you stop and you take care of that person and bring them back to health, then all of a sudden you're operating with all 11 men, if using the football uh, uh, metaphor, uh, you're operating at, at full strength and you're much more effective. But even beyond that, if something happens to you because you've taken the time to care about this person, they're gonna reciprocate. They're more likely to reciprocate. And so, you know, with this story, I think about the story all the time because it really carries forward to today, because as I shared with you, if you cared about people, your your chances surviving, and it was a it was a hostile world back then. You know, it wasn't, you know, dial up Amazon and get groceries kind of a thing. It was a hostile world. Um, and if you cared about other people and you and you went this course of caring about other people and 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 staying at full strength you are more likely to survive. And as, as, as time goes on, those genes carry forward. So I don't care whether, you know, I don't care what your politics is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care your sexual orientation. I don't care about any of that. This DNA of caring for one another is really within each of us. We just need to surrender to it. We really do. And I think what happens, Andy, is, is that people get caught up in the notion of business. I got to go to this event. I got to get a client. And if they just sit back and relax and just be who they are and lean in and say, I care about you, um, they'll be much better off in the long run. Wise words. And I think uh, I, not just the heart of your philosophy. I think that should be the heart of uh, everyone's. Um, and it'd be a much better world if it was. So, Frank, thank you so much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. We we rang, it was a wide ranging discussion, um, and, but I think that we we really got to the heart of some some genuine connection. So, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining me. I totally appreciate it as well. I like the the, the twists and turns. Thank you. So thanks to Frank for joining me. Um, as I say, sometimes I will follow a particular path in a conversation. I'm always sort of trying to pick up on what people say and go there. Frank and I chatted before and I said, I haven't got set questions. Let's let's just kick it off and see where it goes. So it may well have been a little bit less uh, of a, a clear path um, than, than other conversations, but I, I hope you got a lot of value out of that. I think that that story that Frank finished with about um, the importance of caring for others, the, the, the natural instinct to support each other and bringing that out, it, it ties back to where he began, where you don't go to an event looking for what you can get, but how you can help each other, bearing in mind how, you know, how I followed that up. I think the two, the two fit really well together. 
And that's the key philosophy. If you want to connect with impact, the phrase I always use is take yourself out of the equation. And if you can take yourself out of the equation, make it about not just the other person, but make it about the group, the network, the long term, um, then you're going to have much more impact from the connections that you make. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Connected Leadership Podcast. Uh, please do write review, uh, share it on social media. Uh, I'll be sharing some some quotes and clips from it and, and Frank will as well. So join the conversation there and join us again for another episode of the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.